0: Good morning, everyone. Dave here live from the shed was uh, took a little break from streaming for a couple days here, but we're gonna get back at it. Um, got all freshly shaved and haircut and uh, yeah, caught up with some friends here at home after a yeah, disappointing result to uh, Tamara's hearing there last week. I was in Ottawa. anyway, came back. And uh, we're back at it here. Got some good guests lined up for this week, including a special guest from the Netherlands that I'm going to be having on tomorrow, uh, which I'm looking forward to giving us an update on things going on in the Netherlands. As you know, there's some major protests going on there. But today, uh, we're going to do some live coverage here of the public consultation. Uh, There was Uh, The first hearing was yesterday, the first public consultation regarding the city's response to the Freedom Convoy. And I wasn't able to cover that, but I'm going to cover this one today. So they just got started here and uh, opened up with a land acknowledgement. So got to get those in. Uh, (laughs) As an aside, I cannot see. I can't even comprehend what the purpose of these land acknowledgements are. Because um, they're not really doing anything; they're just making an acknowledgement. It's kind of like somebody uh, takes over my home here, and then every day acknowledges that that this used to be the home of David, but uh, but we've taken it over, and it's ours now. So, I mean, I'm really never clear what they're trying to accomplish by that. If they really think that they've stolen this land, then perhaps they should leave. But no, we're just gonna acknowledge every time we have a meeting that uh, we're on someone else's land. Anyway, that's a side point. Let's get into things here at the uh, Ottawa uh, Public Consultation. We'll bring it on for you.
1: It's past for individuals to speak at today's public consultation. Written submissions can still be provided by email to protest audit. At ottawa.ca or by completing a survey on Engage Ottawa. Please keep in mind that the purpose of today's session is so not they're just the going over the questions
0: um, on the plan. Yeah, auditor. how this is going to work today? So there'll the be some different people speaking. I did watch a little bit of yesterday's public consultation. It was good to see that there was a protest. nice. Mix and of uh, there were a the number of Ottawa, Ottawa residents actually and operating um, during that telling time. how great the convoy was the, the and and the cleaning up the streets and all these other things when that happened that you guys know about. Night. Um, There was a number of Ottawa residents who talked about, hey, they were a little concerned at first, but they went downtown and they saw how awesome everyone was and how positive things were. So it was good to hear that and that the truth of what it was really like is getting out there. Just so you guys know, too, the online consultation is still available. You can fill out the survey. I posted the link a while ago. We ask that Let me speaker, find that again, and I'll and put it in the description. We ask that uh, but uh, the submissions for these in-person or Zoom, rather, simultaneous remarks are closed. And
1: interpretation. But um, uh, people can still fill out the
0: online one,
1: and I'm going to find that link for you. On Zoom, simultaneous French and English translation can be found in your meeting on the bottom right of your screen. Just click Interpretation. Select the language you would like to hear. At the end of your five minutes, members of the Office of the Auditor General may have follow-up questions or clarifications for you. Once the questions have been answered, your panelist status will be removed in Zoom, and I will call on the next speaker. As mentioned by the Auditor General, we are inviting members of the community to share their experiences and observations related to the City of Ottawa's Response to the convoy protest. We ask that you limit your remarks to this topic,
0: and that okay, you avoid so there's any there's the link to the uh, public consultation. Your if remarks. you wanted to fill out the survey, thank you in advance yourself. for
1: your participation to both the registered speakers
0: and to those I listening see in today. I see. Terilyn asking, uh, "Is this Pat King's hearing?" No, Pat first, King's hearing is Robert going on Ramsey, right now. Second, uh, Pat Margaret King. Meyer requested the that um, introduce
1: each speaker and give that we not
0: list. cover that and um, one leave one the pressure off. Warnings, but I will, reminder, uh, if I get important updates on any major changes regarding Pat's hearing, I will update you on this stream as well, but he didn't what want live saying. coverage of Ramsey, the Ramsey, trial, the bail begins. hearing. Thank
2: you, can you hear me? Good morning, my name is Robert Ramsey. In my professional life, I'm a researcher, and in my personal life, I'm a dad, a partner, and I try to contribute to the community when I can. I've served on the boards of local nonprofits, of my local fountain pen club, of all things. I'm a member of my neighborhood's planning and zoning committee, of my union, and of a couple of civil society organizations in town. I've lived in Ottawa for 12 years. Today, I wanna describe what I saw during the Ottawa occupation that started on January 22nd and lasted for a month. What a surreal month that was. I can can describe what I saw firsthand because for four days in the week of February 7th, I stood on Wellington Street at O'Connor speaking with convoy participants and asking them to leave. I had a sign that read, you are hurting Ottawa residents, please leave. And I had a chair and I packed a lunch and a bottle of water. What I observed over the course of those four days on Wellington and over the course of the entire month was quite simply a failure of leadership at multiple scales. Avoid, in fact, an absence of leadership. And in many instances, I observed so-called leaders actually undermining the efforts in the community to bring safety and clear information to the residents downtown. First, during the days of my counter protest on Wellington, I observed what can only be described as a carnival atmosphere. There were food stations, supply tents, open fires for cooking and games for children, large speakers playing music, families from communities outside Ottawa who came in to visit for the day like it was a festival. In short, I observed absolutely no pressure on the occupation to leave from city authorities. There was no concern among participants about consequences or law enforcement action or any impending end to the fun. Likewise, there was virtually no awareness of what things were like just one block off of Wellington, where the atmosphere immediately became significantly darker. You will certainly hear more today of the threats and harassment that residents and workers faced in the occupied streets of downtown, where a miasma of diesel fuel hung over the streets making it hard to breathe and the mask that you would almost certainly get harassed for wearing when walking through this area to get to Wellington. But my point about Wellington is that because of the utter lack of pressure exerted by city leadership and law enforcement on the occupation, the discussions I had with participants were relatively unproductive. I used OPS data from their own website to explain how incidents of violence, harassment, vandalism, and hate speech increased substantially during the occupation. But most people did not believe me.
0: Look at the cops
2: down here, they would say, if that stuff was really happening, the cops would be dealing with it rather than hanging out here. And they would point to the numerous groups of police, sometimes a dozen or more standing together, looking at their phones or chatting with occupiers, doing literally nothing about the countless jerry cans of diesel that were being carried past them and say, the cops are fine with this. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing. When it appears the police are on the side of those doing harm, or at least when the police are doing absolutely nothing to enforce the regulations that we all must follow, it makes it very difficult to convince people that there is harm being done or that those regulations matter. Another observation I had was that it- I don't remember the Jerry Can regulations. against the residents of Ottawa by supporting and celebrating the convoy. You know, it's hard for me even now, months later, to summon the words to describe how betrayed I and so many other residents of this city feel by some of our municipal and federal leaders. I observed numerous members of parliament come out to praise and consort with the convoy organizers as if the experience of the residents of the city were meaningless. After the counter blockade at Riverside and Bank, in which I participated, the mayor of Ottawa had the shameless gall to chastise us afterwards for diverting law enforcement resources away from the downtown. But what were they doing downtown? In my observations, nothing. The mayor and the rest of city council and the auditor general must understand that the reason the counter blockade happened is because the residents of the city, particularly in the affected neighborhoods, felt completely abandoned by city hall and the OPS. From an operational and a communications perspective, we had been abandoned. And a quick word on the affected neighborhoods: it wasn't only downtown. I live in Old Ottawa South, nearly five kilometers from Parliament Hill, and even there, we experienced trucks and vans from the convoy driving through, yelling obscenities and insults out the window at residents. This was not just a Wellington problem; it was a wound. Yeah, I'd love to see more video felt. footage of this.
0: From and five kilometers for a away, and save kilometers
2: councillors who were active, engaged, and working in the community virtually twenty-four-seven. I saw a total void of leadership from the city. It fell to community organizations and ad hoc groups of residents to provide leadership. I turned, I tuned in to every council meeting during the occupation, hoping to hear something that would indicate a plan to end the occupation, to support residents. And all I heard was fighting and dysfunction and blame shifting. I'll sum up by saying that I hope this audit addresses the profound lack of leadership that was exhibited by the city and law enforcement during the occupation. I'll also say that big picture, the failure of leadership was indicative of a city that does not take care of its most vulnerable who were as usual the most affected by the occupation many of them were telling the city what they needed directly or indirectly through their organizations or through their counselors and the city did not respond i hope there is some profound reflection on that point not just in retrospect but moving forward thank you
0: well he him wasn't too happy about uh, the convoy apparently um, I'd, I'd love to see the footage of five kilometers from downtown of obscenities being hurled at residents. Um, yeah, would love to see that get shared out.
1: <laughs> and Margaret will be followed by Flora Love Katz.
3: I am CEO of com. I help people maximize their energy, memory, and mental resiliency. For over two years, I was required to shut down my business as I was deemed non-essential. As a result of illegal city mandates, I lost 100% of my walk-in business. Originally, I followed protocols and shut down my business. But as time went on, I was not and never will be obliged to go bankrupt, especially when city officials, all of whom are demanding that I and other small businesses not work while they kept both their jobs and their pensions. I spent months writing to officials, signing God knows how many petitions, participating in both Ontario and city government small business Zoom sessions, anything to keep our small businesses open to no avail. City officials talk obsessively about the importance of small business and how it matters to every community, but simply talk. Actions speak louder than words. People in Ottawa and from other cities right across Canada amalgamated into this truckers protest. Suffering for almost two years, they were given no other recourse because elected government officials Counselors, Let's health, go, bylaw, and bureaucrats were all participating and promoting illegal economic mandates and activities by prescribing, recommending, facilitating, advertising, mandating, incentivizing, and using coercion to insist employees submit to experimental gene therapy injections. Section one of the Bill of Rights clearly states Canadian citizens have the right to freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. The Bill of Rights surpasses all of the City of Ottawa's illegal mandates. City officials blatantly violated the legal rights of protesters which included many Ottawa citizens, the ability to even use washrooms in various businesses including Tim Hortons. They threatened small businesses including hotels with fines if they serve protesters. Ironically these small businesses and restaurants that managed to stay open downtown against all law- and harassment by certain bylaw officers made more money in those few weeks than they had in months. They were grateful the truckers had shown up. Medical and scientific studies released from Israel, the UK and the United States show unequivocally the dangerous and adverse side effects of these shots. City Health officials either know these medical and scientific facts and continue to intentionally deceive the public. And if so, should be held criminally responsible for this or they are so ignorant and incompetent of the facts that they should be immediately removed from office. Going back to downtown there was no violence from the truckers daily I saw them picking up garbage feeding the homeless, and providing free barbecue lunches and dinners for lots of children and families. Yeah, we did. I met people of all ages, religions, ethnic backgrounds from across Canada, and even from the United States and Japan. There was music and dancing, and no one felt afraid interesting that so many police officers in ottawa did not want to participate nor follow the illegal directives of the city of ottawa perhaps it's because police officers were being forced to defy their oath that they make to the constitution of canada to protect their citizens to protect their freedom of speech and their right to assembly the city in combination with local regional And national media participated in an aggressive, discriminatory political narrative that included lying about the truckers and their motives, labeling them misogynist, racist, and even foreign terrorists. Worse, the city went along with the biggest media lie that Justin Trudeau had initiated the Emergencies Act on behalf of the Ottawa Police. Peaceful protesters were arrested on phony charges, picked up by police, driven a few miles away, unceremoniously dropped off in the freezing cold. Others arrested found that when they returned to their trucks, their windows had been smashed by police and many of their personal possessions stolen. Finally. During one peaceful protest downtown, I watched as police officers on horseback shoved through the crowd, pushing two people to the ground, including an elderly woman in her disability wheelchair, who was hospitalized because of this aggressive and illegal city action. Tamira Litch, the ultimate political sacrificial lamb by the Old boys' political network across this country. Current municipal laws because of their lack of definition their lack of procedural safeguards their lack of rule of lack of rule of law values and complete political unaccountability gives rise to corruption that we are currently living under we need to examine and overhaul our municipal laws so that this type of political tyranny and illegal activity never happens again because our democratic system and our way of life in canada depends upon it no government official should ever be above the law amen ever
0: well done maggie that was great that was maggie meyer ottawa resident speaking the truth there thank you margaret for coming today. i uh I, I love the double sign language. I mean, it, it's nice to have the yeah, sign. Presumably, it's uh, there. There there are multiple versions of sign language, so Ottawa wanted to be extra, um, cover all the bases there, and we got we got double translation. So that's nice. Thank you.
4: Thank you. I want to thank Madam Auditor General and all of you for your time and your efforts. Um, I want to applaud the first speaker, Robert Ramsey. And rather than going over everything that he said and reinforcing it, I will focus my statements on four areas uh, through which I was adversely affected by the trucker's siege. It can only be described as a siege because of the (laughs) adverse impacts on millions of people, including Ottawa's. Uh, I myself, uh, I'm a proud and dedicated citizen of Canada and Ottawa, and in 2013 I was proud to receive the Mayor's City Builder Award. Um, I'm going to focus my statements uh, on first a broad statement about the city's response. I found it ineffective, badly organized to cope with the overwhelming task of responding to the day-to-day policing requirements as well as the massive incursion of wide-reaching and ranging impingements on city operations spanning over a month from january impingements. while aware of the police presence throughout the siege very few city interveners appeared to take place effectively to deter protesters from engaging in public dangerous activities irreverent behaviors vile hate incitement traumatic visual verbal and physical aggressions and costly behaviors that cost millions of dollars in addition to police services barricade signage horses etc the first of my responses addresses adverse physical impingements on me neighbors loved ones elderly Show me the and disabled colleagues who i'm caring for in the downtown core the incessant air horns along the Queen Elizabeth Driveway, Elgin Street around the National Art Center, and War Memorial Caught us caused physical illness, headaches, nausea, stress, burning lung sensations, burning lungs.
0: <laughs> swollen <laughs>
4: and cankerous <laughs> tongues. Uh, the stench of marijuana, to which many of us are severely allergic, was rampant. Several of us developed skin rashes. From excessive rashes. stress. In terms of emotional, right, this, is,
0: this is new information for me, folks. We have got burning lung syndrome and rashes from the convoy. Wow, drunk
4: individuals. You know, I take
0: it all back. Uh, convoy was terrible. It caused with rashes.
4: With desecrations and travesties against our most sacred national images and core values. The roasting of pigs. Is a transgression against various faiths, including Islam (laughs) and Judaism. Those spaces are no longer sacred for First Nations groups as well. The bouncy castles and tubs were set up. Sorry, the roasting of pigs was
0: offensive to Jewish people. I'm sorry, Stacy. I didn't know that.
4: COVID masks. Just walking innocently down the canal or up Elgin Street, we were verbally abused. We were called bitch or take it off. Rude names. Several of us had our masks actually ripped off. Uh, I was coming down Wellington Street and two guys lunged at me, <laughs> attempting to punch me in the head. <laughs> I had to turn away. Show me the video. Uh, we were verbally abused the whole time. We experienced tremendous trauma whenever we saw swastikas or people which were brandished in Confederation Park, up and down Elgin Street, all over trucks. And hanging from hotel balconies <laughs> swastikas balconies. and stars of david are trigger signals for many caring canadians who have in any way been subjected to the abuse of the second world war we were 46 seconds horrified by the abuse of the terry fox and the national war monument there were financial costs to many of us who had to reschedule meetings oh, no, and lost revenue reschedule. from those and terrible logistical impacts, which the police told us they just could not address. They didn't have the staff and they didn't have the support.
0: Thank oh, you for my your goodness. time Wow, and your that attention was next level. Very
4: serious matters so that going forward, they can be avoided rashes, and offset folks. in advance. The
1: convoy caused Thanks. rashes. Thank you, Ms. Katz. Madam Auditor General.
5: Once again, I just wanted to take a moment to thank Flora Love today for coming and
4: sharing your remarks with thank us you, Thank Love. you, Flora Love. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Auditor.
1: Thank you. And just a brief reminder that if we can refrain from, uh, refrain from profanities and uh, any other inappropriate language, that would be most appreciated. Uh, we're going to hear from Cameron Ketchum next. And after will hear from. oh he's got Cameron, pronouns, we'll Amber Bramer.
6: See him. him coming up. Welcome, and uh, your five minutes begins right now. Thank you so much, everybody. My name is Cameron. I'm the Director of Community Initiatives with United Way East Ontario. Thank you to the City of Ottawa and the Office of the Auditor General uh, for conducting this consultation and providing an opportunity to offer feedback. On a day-to-day basis, United Way East Ontario works closely with a wide range of partners in the community, including donors and workplaces, government, and the many community service agencies who provide critical services in our community, such as food security, shelter, mental health and addictions counseling, programming for seniors, employment supports, youth programs, and more. In times of crisis, United Way responds alongside these partners, whether it's a flood, a tornado, a refugee crisis, a pandemic, or most recently, this convoy occupation. Today, I'm here to speak to you specifically about the impact this occupation had on the social services sector and the people we serve. We want to emphasize the vital role this sector plays in an emergency, the implications for our community when services are disrupted, and the need for dedicated supports when we are called upon to scale up services during a crisis like this. From the moment the convoy came to Ottawa, we started seeing issues and impacts right away. Uh, the first, as you've heard from others, is the hateful messages, aggression, and intimidation, which we heard reported by our partners towards their staff and their clients. We heard.
0: It's always Our we United heard. For
6: All Coalition, which is a group um, of 150 partners working to overcome hate and violence in our city, released a statement condemning these acts, but these incidents certainly continued and caused significant distress uh, for many. During this time, United Way also worked closely with our agency partners in the city, including convening together on February 8th and February 11th to collectively assess needs and propose solutions. And on February 17th, we and our uh, over 30 social service organizations shared publicly the challenges we were facing. We noted that vulnerable and marginalized people and those working to support them were being consistently harassed, including on their way to work, and including targeted violence towards Indigenous peoples, uh, Black and racialized communities, 2 plus people, women, and people with disabilities.
0: Nobody cares what color Reasons you are.
6: Happened in the pandemic are very true. Seniors, people living with mobility issues, and those living with trauma in the downtown core have become increasingly isolated, wi- unwilling, or unable to leave their homes. Access to food and, and social services have become extremely difficult just due to transportation and delivery, you, delivery disruptions. Some of our partners walked food deliveries and supplies through the crowds to, to get to the people that needed it and, and and to restock their own supplies and organizations. Residents were fear, f- fearful of being confronted once outside their homes or shelters. And as demand for services went up during this time, agencies quickly became short-staffed. Demand and for services. Strained.
0: Hold the phone. There was more food down there than anyone knew what to do with. This guy is spouting lies, lies. we pandemic. stocked the pantries the of these shelters to the brim system. until they turned us away, so they couldn't take all the food that the we had to offer the shelters. Cover un-
6: Unplanned costs on behalf of our donors, but we know the needs were much greater. In terms of the city response, we were encouraged by the immediate outreach with community service partners through the Human Needs Task Force, as well as strong communication from the Emergency Operations Center and a readiness to work with community partners to address needs. This was really important and done very well. What was not clear was whether resources could be made available to immediately support the community services sector, whether in the form of funding or infrastructure like gates or barriers, enhanced security, or or leveraging city assets to support transportation, deliveries, other service adjustments that were needed. In this respect, we were very pleased to see the motion put forward by Councillor Laura Dudas on February 7th and carried by council to call on provincial and federal governments for funding specifically focused on supporting community agencies impacted by the occupation. We welcome more information on whether this request went ahead and what response was received. I think we want to leave you with two key points today. One, it's critical that the convoy experience inform planning and prepare preparedness so that community-based services can be prioritized and sustained with minimal disruption in future scenarios, with an emphasis on maintaining access to services, the protection of safety in people, ensuring surge capacities for the provision of basic needs and being ready to expand mental health and trauma supports where needed. Trauma. Support. Second, it's also critical that we recognize the vital role of the community services sector in any emergency and ensure financial supports are made available to sustain them just as support was extended to small businesses and first responders. The impact of the occupation continues to linger, and United Way is committed to working closely with partners to continue to continue to address ongoing recovery needs, including expanded mental health and wellness services, agency capacity building, cost recovery where where needed, and community cohesion activities that enable neighbourhoods to reflect, review, learn, and propose best practices for community preparedness. I want to note the work of the Ottawa People's Commission that is taking the lead on this now, and could be a standing model for future community crisis response. This concludes our statement um, and our recommendations. Thank you uh, for allowing us to share our perspectives here today and we look forward to seeing the results um, of this consultation. Thank you. All. Thank
1: you, sir. Your word to time to the second, and I will turn things over to Madam Deputy first Thank Honored you, Sharon. First.
5: Thanks, Chris. I, think I think I'll take the first question and thank you very oh, much. Uh, a couple of questions for me, and then I believe Deputy Auditor General also has a question. Uh, you made mention to uh, meetings on February eighth and eleventh with city representatives. I was wondering whether or not you could comment on whether or not you received good collaboration during those meetings. And I guess my second piece.
0: I'm really curious with with all of these people, how much time they ever really spent down there. In in one of the clips I watched yesterday, the 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 speaker actually. Admitted that he had never been down to the convoy, that uh, but he'd heard, he'd heard, and he'd seen things that he knew it was dangerous. So someone actually shared yesterday, and admitted that they never actually went down there. Uh, so I, I, this Cameron, I, I don't know what he was looking at because um, I had never ate so well in my life, and uh, the homeless were were stuffed. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the harassment that we've all uh, heard about was
6: was having heard a tremendous about effect. Key, key word there:
0: um, the, the harassment mind, this was coming during about. the
6: Omicron wave after two years of a pandemic. So a lot of these agencies were already really strapped and and and, and exhausted from uh, providing the critical services um, that they do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so that collaboration was really, I think, helpful. Um, I can we can share uh, the results of those discussions because we did put them together publicly in a in a statement um and you know there was huge need there is need for for increased capacity, There's need for funding uh there was need for ways to provide staff respites there was a uh, need for ongoing supports for clients that had had, had uh, been uh, tremendously impacted by uh, uh, by the, the the various aspects of this um, this experience. Your second question was what were the results of of, of these discussions? So I, I think I probably captured that. But, you know, the one result of what was happening right now, um, what was needed right now, uh, because we still, you know, we had these discussions in the middle of the occupation period, we didn't know when it was going to end, if it was going to end, and it did, um, but the lingering effects uh, are still, uh, I think, very valid. Um, as well, I, I think we need to understand that, you know, we live in Ottawa, we live in the national capital, this is not going to be the last protest that uh, that happens in the downtown core. Uh, yeah, I and, love the pitch. we don't know what other experiences may look like, how much more severe, what level of violence, what level of disruption may come in future. Also want to note, you know, we've experienced about four or five uh, different emergencies in Ottawa over the past few years. so understanding the role of the community services sector and the importance of making sure that they have the capacity to uh, maintain services and scale up and respond to increased needs in the community is just so important. Thank you
5: very much for that, Cameron. Hey. And uh, one other hey, question, about, I think your, you know, your answer now made my, my second question at
0: two. If you're gonna far. go on a public <laughs> consultation for your organization, yeah. you might as well pitch for funding. Have
5: <laughs> done, um, from your perspective. And uh, I guess I'll then continue that to state even current day based off of your most recent response, is there more that you believe the city could do at the very, at this moment?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, give, I think we give tremendous credit to the city for opening lines of communication and being very available and, and wanting to help uh, the social services sector So respond. available. Um, and I think we've learned a lot over the past couple of years and through this experience. We also understand all of us were, were working in real time to adjust to what was happening in the downtown core. Uh, and and that was challenging, um, and there was no easy answer necessarily, um, but we do need to to have in place a system that is that is able to uh, scale up quickly, and able to support the 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 cost of that. Um, and that certainly involves uh, financial supports, um, but it also involves a, a very clear community response plan that that has a, a, a specific role for the community services sector to play that identifies the importance of that work. So, and we've already seen this play out with, uh, you know, with the storm that Ottawa experienced recently, the Daracle storm and the power outage, the food security uh, network was has become really good.
0: Interesting, a, a viewer of mine um, from Ottawa just, sent me a message informing me that every year the government civil servants raise money for the united way so that's very um <laughs> slightly uh biased perspective we have here from uh united way responses um but we the expertise that is available in the community services
6: sector and uh, the needs that they are addressing is are just so significant uh that we see uh room for much greater role.
5: Perfect. Thank you very much, Cameron. I think those were all our questions, Chris.
1: Thank you, uh, Madam Deputy Auditor General Joanne Gorenstein. To you. Chris, I think those are all our questions. Thank you. Oh, that's all of the questions. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Mr. Ketchum. Um, we will now hear then from uh, Adam, uh, excuse thank you, Ward, me, Amber there. Bramer. And Amber will be followed by Ariel Troster. Ember, your five minutes begins right now.
7: Hi, thank you for inviting me today. I am the Director of Development and Communications at Cornerstone Housing for Women. And I would like to thank the City of Ottawa and the Office of the Auditor General for inviting us today to speak about the impacts of the occupation on our city and on our residents. Um, I wanted to further talk around, I think occupation, Cameron did a great job of, of setting this stage for Cornerstone here, but I wanted to go a little bit more in depth on the impacts that this convoy occupation had on the residents at cornerstones emergency shelter on women seeking emergency shelter on women and gender diverse people living in our supportive and affordable housing residences in the downtown core and on our staff directly. Cornerstone, like many social service agencies, are constantly shifting our services to meet the needs of people where they're at in their journey. We often manage through crises in collaboration with like-minded organizations, and we are innovative and supportive. Community services are the backbone of our city. We had to rely on each other to get through this occupation, and a few city councillors were there to support Cornerstone staff and residents we have a common message to share and that's that the impact of this occupation caused collective trauma on all of our services and vulnerable people in our community it also stretched resources and people power like no other time in many of our histories When the occupation arrived on the front steps of our homes and streets, social service providers were already dealing with increased isolation due to the spread of the most recent variant of COVID-19 in addition to the opioid epidemic which was taking on a more fatal drug supply and a housing crisis. This occupation was so much more than a nuisance. When the convoy took over our streets they further isolated and displaced people experiencing homelessness it is often forgotten that the streets or public parks or malls I don't think homeless people are the only drive, place of reprieve for so some They could most vulnerable probably still people, get people. And they couldn't even do that anymore. Residents and staff were scared to go outside of the shelter, especially women of color. Protesters were out front of our doors, aggressively forcing us to take their donations when we respectfully declined because of the, uh, in respect to the residents that were at the shelter who did not want to take these um, donations. Protesters were harassing staff um, to take a spot at the shelter as well. The incessant honking and noise from the trucks caused significant anxiety and distress for staff and shelter residents. This noise was sheer torture for some residents. Having this noise ring in your ears from months lasting after the occupation, one woman admitted herself to the hospital because it was too much to bear. Women in need of shelter services feared coming to the city for help residents who have have experienced human trafficking were triggered by the number of trucks outside of their front door staff feared coming into work for fear of harassment for wearing a, a mask all shelters had to figure out alternative plans for client transportation to any other program or hospitals in the city we had to stock 72 hours worth of food in our programs when we could residents who worked in the downtown core if you didn't catch it
0: there she admitted that they were giving donations but she turned away the donations she didn't want the convoy donations
7: after the past two years of battling through this unprecedented pandemic the toxic opioid epidemic and the housing crisis everyone is completely exhausted and could not handle the added stresses of this occupation the cost of this protest to our city for three days would fund our women's emergency shelter for more than a year and yet this protest has caused us financial hardship. We were lucky to receive some funding from or, like-minded organizations and businesses during this time and neighbors. Um, they really should have gone down
0: to Wellington Street to with a bucket and they probably could have raised their the budget in a few days if they brought a bucket out there.
7: In Ottawa, Who have no place to call home. And now they're having heightened fear and anxieties coming into work throughout the occupation in the midst of the global pandemic. The expectation of never ending resiliency on social service agencies comes at a high cost, and we know the capacity of our sector can only take on so much. The most vulnerable people in our Ottawa neighborhoods were acutely affected by this occupation, retired, but we will keep pushing forward because women and gender diverse people experiencing homelessness are relying on us. Housing and healthcare support is desperately needed. This occupation showed that social services have been in crisis mode for more than two years. Um, We're experiencing staffing shortages at a time stability is desperately needed and everyone's exhausted and the impacts of the occupation continue today. We are committed to continuing to work closely with our community ser- service agencies to provide essential care and support to those in need at most. But we cannot manage through a crisis like this alone. We need collective action. We need to create. To
0: be clear, a I don't mean to mock to these people. Like I I honestly can't help my laughter and my and it's just so far from reality and I, I don't and hold memories. anger there against these people agencies, they genuinely believe that this is what was going on they genuinely were afraid and it's sad but it's laughable because there was just absolutely um, nothing to be action. fearful of the fact that she turned away donations that's, that's was somehow okay, like so, scared of the convoy thank you so it's it's really sad, and it uh, if I if I don't laugh, I cry at the ridiculousness of this. Thank you very
5: much, Chris and Amber. Thank you very much for coming today and sharing your insights. I was wondering if you could uh, provide your thoughts on whether or not you felt the city could have supported your organization uh, differently. Um,
7: throughout the convoy, the best. Um... Our best way to get action taken was through connecting with a couple of local city councillors. That's how we found um, the best way to deal with it. It, we weren't communicated or updated throughout the entire occupation, we only found out through Twitter, like most people. Um, So I think that would be a really effective means moving forward through crises to have that constant communication from. Maybe
0: if the 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 media had covered it, that would have been helpful. agencies
7: involved in that
5: conversation. Perfect. Is there specific types of information that you'd be hoping to receive in such types of situations?
7: Um, I think a little bit more knowledge on how and where people can go through access points. Um, Having that increased police presence does have quite an impact
0: on someone someone who either need to... Uh, Sorry, I missed who it was there. How come no questions for for Maggie? Um, I noticed that yesterday, too. They never ask questions uh, of the supporters, but they grill the people who are all angry about it.
7: Mechanism in place that can provide that. Better access to transportation during a crisis like this um, from from the get-go. Um, instead
0: Better access to transportation. Uh, when I needed a ride, I just waved down the nearest truck with a flag on it and they always took me where I needed to go. <laughs> Everyone was a taxi driver in the convoy.
5: Again,
8: for taking the
9: time.
1: Thank you, Amber. Uh, Up next, we will hear from uh, Ariel Troster and then Andrea Susan Chandler. A reminder to all participants, please, that our interpreters and translators want to be able to convey your words to those uh, participating on Zoom or watching on Rogers. So please do slow down, speak clearly, and uh, make the most of your five minutes. Ariel Troster, your five minutes begin right now. You're on mute, Ariel. I'm sorry.
10: Thank you very much. Sorry about that. Hello, my name is Ariel Troster. I'm a resident in Centertown and a candidate for City Council for Somerset Ward. I, like all of my neighbors, am still unpacking the terrible experience we all went through during the convoy occupation in January and February. I'm also Jewish and queer, so the rampant extremism that we saw on display was particularly upsetting to me and to my family. I've been talking to my neighbors and the best way that I can describe it is that downtown residents are experiencing a sort of collective trauma or PTSD. We are still in shock about the fact that the city abandoned us for three whole weeks and allowed white supremacy and extremism to take residence in our neighborhoods and remain there unopposed
0: for the that record i love the jews
10: experience. my daughter attends one of the downtown elementary schools that is close to where the convoy implanted itself for three solid weeks only nine years old she saw people carrying jerry cans of fuel past her schoolyard daily was unable to focus on learning due to the relentless honking and air horns and was forced to flee the yard at recess and return to her classroom when convoy members breached the parking lot and attempted to enter the yard we eventually had to pull her from school
0: okay i need to, to uh i'd love to see the video footage of that convoy so members detrimental breaching detrimental the yard of an elementary school to
10: convince her that it was safe to walk in yeah neighborhood again and that no
0: one would i'm to her. gonna call um My wife shenanigans on, on that one
10: during the first week of the convoy and had a truck with extremist slogans plastered on it pull a U-turn and nearly run her over on the sidewalk, uttering death threats as he did so. These are only two examples of how Centertowners, as well as people in the Market, Vanier, Lowertown and Overbrook were made to feel threatened and unsafe on our own streets, just steps from our homes. As I talk to residents in Somerset Ward as part of my City Council campaign, this is what I'm hearing about. Disabled people who were prevented from receiving basic care because their personal support workers were unable to make it to their homes. Residents in apartment buildings where convoy members broke in and took over the laundry room and other amenities for days on end. At least two examples where people with rainbow flags on display had someone defecate on their front steps. Teenagers who were swarmed for wearing a mask while on the LRT, terrified to use public transit to get to school a bookstore employee who had to see the confederate and nazi flags drive by on elgin street trans and lgbtq people who endured street harassment and felt trapped at home seniors who were too scared to leave their homes to purchase groceries and other necessities simply put the people of downtown ottawa were abandoned by the city institutions that were supposed to protect us i am thankful to the counselors who did take the time to walk the streets and to help protect residents including Councilors McKenney, Menard, and Leaper, as well as Ottawa Centre MPP Joel Hardin. But as a whole, the city's response to the convoy was a failure on every conceivable level. We need to understand why it took three whole weeks for a single truck to be ticketed or towed. Why it took a lawsuit by a private citizen, Zexi Lee, to get an injunction that means the horn stop.
0: We need to know why the police allowed
10: massive quantities of fuel to be transported and stockpiled on city streets, uh, right beside homes and schools and daycares, and why police officers were seen giving joyrides to convoy members and handing them free food. Like hundreds of other Ottawa residents, I became so frustrated with the inaction of the city and of the police after three weeks of enduring harassment that I voluntarily put my body on the line and helped physically block trucks from entering downtown in February at the now infamous Battle of Buildings Bridge.
8: When the city failed
10: us, people stepped up, but it should never have been that way. Thank you for listening to the Voices of residents today, though I am extremely concerned that this forum is allowing disinformation about vaccines and public health to go unchallenged. I sincerely hope that we're never failed this profoundly by our city government
1: and our police force ever again. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Auditor General.
5: Thank you very much, Ariel, for coming today and sharing your insights with us. I'm wondering if there were any particular city services that you think would have been uh, of assistance to you during some of these instances that you've just described to us.
10: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Bila had um, taken the basic action of towing and ticketing these vehicles within the first 48 hours, I strongly believe they would not have become so entrenched in the city um you know i didn't mention the fact that the 911 lines were also flooded Uh, a lot of it was because of foreign interference of people calling and and making false claims but it was also extremely problematic my wife called uh 911 after her life was threatened and it didn't result in any action they did call back at some point but it took several weeks um we saw no presence uh, of the city in any way until we reached the extreme level of um, police intervention with the blockades that happened after other police forces were brought in. Um, And to be clear, I'm not advocating for more uh, presence of police. I'm advocating for bylaw officials and the police police, officers to do the jobs they were paid for for those first three weeks. It was really maddening to hear, for example, that um, journalists who went to cover the convoy received a parking ticket, yet the giant truck that was honking for three weeks in front of someone's home did not um that kind of hypocrisy was really really upsetting um and i know that there are a lot of um, families at my daughter's school that live in community housing on on bank street and a lot of them were scared to come to school my daughter's school was the only one that was shut down that first day of the convoy um and i spoke to the director of ottawa community housing they had to hire private security to help walk some of these racialized folks and their families to school Uh, there's a tremendous amount of fear and i would say the kids are still recovering there a was a lot of fear and we didn't see any visible presence of Completely helpers other than community members fear. like us that were trying to reach out
5: perfect thank you very much for that
0: thank you she said they thank you for your people who hired private now security to Andrea escort
1: Chandler, racialized people followed by krista
0: doyle it's, it, it's honestly sad it is sad Andrew the fear Chandler, the five minutes begin the radio the misinformation that these people received um it's
8: thank you very much thank you very much madam it's wild to just
0: watch it in front of us like this my
8: name is andrea chandler i'm a wife and mom of two i work full time i have lived in ottawa for 30 years lived and worked in ottawa for 30 years i pay property tax i now i uh, vote in every election i live in capital ward I lived near Centertown, but not in Centertown. So I was more fortunate than some in that my neighborhood remained relatively quiet during the convoy and the, the streets near my house were not blocked. I did see flat, trucks with hateful flags passing through the two major thoroughfare streets near my house. And I was able to hear the honking uh, but it was it was generally not deafening for my house. I do, however, shop regularly at local businesses in Centre Central Town, and I frequently run, walk, or bike downtown as a person who lives an active lifestyle in all seasons. During the convoy occupation, I kept a diary where I recorded what I saw, heard, and smelled in this city during my walks between February 6th and February 23rd. My first walk was February 6th, because I had heeded the city of Ottawa's advice given on January 28th to avoid That's downtown possible there were hateful, in light of expected truck traffic and Prime demonstrations. Minister. When I first saw what the downtown of our city looked like on February 6th, I felt like a complete fool for having heeded the city's advice to stay away. I felt like I had, I had contributed to enabling the convoy to settle in comfortably with minimum pushback. As a result, I have now lost trust in the city's announcements of what the public should do to stay safe. I will probably be skeptical for the rest of my life of the Ottawa city administration telling me what is in my best interest. I could not believe what I saw downtown. Trucks blocking every road from the Byward Market, Wellington Street, Kent and Metcalf streets were the worst. There were hateful flags anti-semitic signs honking diesel fumes
0: anti-semitic people signs. were carrying
8: fuel jugs and there were piles of jerry cans in the street on february
0: 7th, the majority of people Bonfire had some kind of judeo-christian background <laughs> who were the anti-semites
8: of urine as i walked on the sidewalk going south on Metcalf, a truck with an f trudeau sign climbed the curb and started driving on the sidewalk towards me. I stood my ground and the truck went back into the road. I was in the Soviet Union when it collapsed in December, 1991. Walking on Wellington Street during the convoy occupation gave me flashbacks to that experience. There were, for example, uniformed people standing around, apparently doing nothing without making eye contact. There was the smell of diesel. There were trucks lurking around with no apparent purpose. Some areas were mysteriously deserted. Others had small milling crowds. The most important thing about the convoy for me was that I, I never knew what was in the trucks and I will never know. I never knew until it was over how those trucks would be used. That felt very intimidating and it sure made me nervous thinking about those jerry cans and propane canisters that I saw being casually carried and left lying around downtown. So there was the constant fear that something bad would happen.
0: But it I believe that
8: the convoy occupation had an impact on my happen. health and well-being in the following ways. First, I'm asthmatic. I had asthma flare-ups, which I attribute to the poor air quality due to the exhaust from idling trucks. On January 30th, I stayed home all afternoon as I felt short of breath. I took more asthma medications than usual and felt allergy symptoms for the rest of the winter. Second, I experienced increased anxiety, which I have not yet overcome. The convoy triggered memories of unsettling experiences I've had in the past in other countries. To this day, I feel a sick feeling in my stomach when I see a black pickup truck or even any truck displaying the Canadian flag, the flag of the country where I was born and lived most of my life, which I was proud to display on my backpack when I went overseas. Third, a member of my immediate family has a serious health condition. Just said she's afraid of the Canadian flag. That in an emergency, we would not be able to get to the hospital on time, despite the fact that we live in a five kilometer radius of two of Ottawa Hospital's major centers. I also worried about the increased risk of catching COVID due to the presence of so many unmasked people in indoor settings. I no longer consider Ottawa a safe place to live, and I, I now hope to leave one day. During the convoy occupation, I felt like a real doormat for paying taxes and obeying bylaws in a city whose government let down the public so badly. I felt humiliated as a citizen. At the same time, I am very grateful to the urban city councilors who tried so hard to advocate for the public.
0: during. It is extremely enlightening. Everywhere. I mean, I that's what so it's very hard to, hard to listen to. It. It's sad. I feel I, I genuinely feel bad for these people, the lies that they believed. The fear, like I don't know how they live their lives when they're afraid <laughs> the pickup and trucks really lurking. It's sad. It's I'm hard sure to hear, but know. it is enlightening of, of the kind of. Um, some, uh, not so yeah, just it, it is really that. interesting to hear this perspective. Um, it's sad.
1: now hear from Krista Doyle. Someone said
0: there they Roger need a bouncy castle.
1: Krista? If you could turn on your camera, please. And
0: can we get one friendly here, please?
1: Let's become or begin rather right now.
9: Uh, hi, um, my name's Krista, and uh, I live in the West End of Ottawa. Um, just want to say thank you for the opportunity to speak today. Uh, there's been a lot of um, points on on both sides made. Um, I'm going to keep my uh, part short and sweet. Um, there's good people on both sides of the protest, um, and good and bad on both sides of the protest, and everyone is going to perceive how they uh, saw things, what, what depending on how, what their opinion was of COVID, I think, before the convoy arrived. Uh, the Overall point that I want to make is that the convoy was very clear in what they were trying to do. They wanted to cause an upheaval. They wanted to uh, ensure that their presence was known, um, hence the honking, hence the blockades. I myself was down there literally every day that they were here. I wanted to see firsthand um, what was going on because the media did a horrible job of covering it. They were very very one-sided there was tons of good there was bad i'm not saying there wasn't there was tons of good things that also came from it and none of that was portrayed to the people of ottawa i have lots of friends who were extremely upset that the convoy was coming and after having gone down there themselves to see firsthand what was going on was shocked and horrified at how the local media coverage was um portraying what was going on down there thank you michael The easy solution to all of this would have been for our Prime Minister and the uh, politicians to speak with them. That was all they wanted was to be heard. And our supposed leader couldn't take five minutes to have a conversation with them, which I think is the root of the cause for all of the harm that came from this. So if there wanted to be uh, less of a presence from them or not have to be people would be so put out by all of it. There was a very simple answer for our supposed leader to take control of the situation and be a grown up about it. And that didn't happen. Anyway, well I won't get into too many other points about this. That's my opinion. And lots of people share it. Thank you.
0: Good for her.
1: Thank you. We'll remind all speakers to focus their comments and contributions on the City of Ottawa's response to the convoy protest. Madam Auditor General, any questions?
5: I just want to say thank you very much, Krista, for taking the time to come speak to us today.
1: All right. Thank you very much. Uh, We will hear from Roger Soloshi and then Dimitri Gorodnitchi. Roger, if you are with us. Good for
0: that, lady. Yeah, I saw the um, undead says this person is nervous. Yeah, it was you could see that was very hard for her and she she didn't uh, want to be too aggressive trying, there and uh, that's why uh, she mentioned both away. sides no doubt but uh, could tell meantime, that uh she went down and she uh, saw what it was really like and uh, she had the courage here. to share that so good for her
1: Mr. Solosha, if you could turn on your camera and uh your
11: five minutes will begin right now thank you on friday january 28th Protesters from across Canada arrived in Ottawa to protest federal vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. I am a resident of Ottawa. I was raised here and I love this city. I only want what is best for Ottawa and my fellow citizens across the country. Please note that my observations are limited to the encampment on Wellington Street. I will speak to the police services that I experienced. Under former police chief Peter Slowley, the police maintained good relations with the protesters. I saw cooperation, smiling faces, and friendly attitudes on both sides. Mm -hmm. It was not adversarial. Former chief Slowley told the Municipal Police Services Board on Wednesday, February 2nd, that there had been no riots, no injuries, no deaths. The Toronto Sun reported on Friday, February 4th, that there were only three reports of street crime in the Centertown District affected by the protest, compared to 31 police calls the week before. <laughs> the atmosphere there was cheerful with displays of flags, patriotism, and unity. I was happy to welcome our fellow citizens as guests to our fair city. On Tuesday, February 15th, Peter slowly and the police services board reached an agreement where he would resign. Slowly remarked that he stepped down with a heavy heart and that he did everything possible to keep this city safe and put an end to the protest peacefully. Deputy Chief Steve Bell was then named as interim police chief for Ottawa. He immediately mobilized federal resources and emergency act powers to end the protest. By Thursday, February 17th, the mood among protesters was grim. That evening, the police blockaded all roads into downtown Ottawa and were operating checkpoints requiring proof of residence to pass. Photos of police resources being massed across the city spread on sh- social media, and it sparked fear of a crackdown. Indeed, on Friday, February 18th, the police moved in to clear the protest. That was the day a video went viral across Twitter and social media of Mohawk Aboriginal elder Candace Saro being trampled by an RCMP horse. She was using a walker and after falling to the ground, she alleges police officers kicked her and dragged her away by her coat. She says she suffered a severe bruise on her leg, a fractured collarbone and sore ribs and spent time in the hospital to recover. I met Candace. She was a kind, warm, compassionate Aboriginal Mm, elder who did not deserve to be assaulted by the police that day. She was there to raise awareness of restrictions that were limiting family access to loved ones in nursing homes. Mothers and fathers have had to suffer and die alone, she said. I would like to thank former police chief Peter slowly for his services and his efforts at de-escalating the situation for keeping both police and protesters in the city safe from violence. And I would like to condemn interim police chief Steve Bell for his lack of compassion and unethical conduct. It is noted it took just three days after Peter slowly resigned for Steve Bell to authorize the use of force to end the protest. This was a political crisis that needed a political solution. Amen. It is disappointing that our elected officials chose to support the use of force under emergency powers instead. 58 Mistakes seconds. were made. It's important we recognize this. Thank you for your time. Thank
1: you, Mr. Soloshi.
0: Very well said there. Roger, well, thank you for second. that.
5: thank Roger. Thank you very much for taking the time to come speak to us today. Thank you.
1: All right, we'll now hear from the final speaker. It's encouraging
0: to see that, um, yeah, like these are all Ottawa residents, right? So the the media talked like it was universal. Everyone was against the convoy. And um, even this uh, public consultation is demonstrating that uh, very mixed responses
12: from the city. So if maybe the moderator, whoever, Okay, start my video. Good, thank you very much. Thank you. For, thank you. Yeah, Your five minutes
1: starts for now.
12: Okay, thank you very much again. I think this is a very very important meeting which we have right now. I do feel uh, very sad for all of the negative uh, experiences which people have uh, lived uh, in in Ottawa, but at the same time I feel also very very. Uh, I'm very sad about the bad experiences of those people who came to protest because they've been having uh, problems well before that, since the beginning of the mandates, because we need to remind ourselves that their children were not able to attend activities. They were denied happy childhood. majority of people who were there, they were not truckers. I went there myself, multiple times. Majority 80% were people with young children who were protesting essentially uh, just to… they wanted to talk to the government to make sure the truth is known and is publicized properly. And the truth is that vaccines for children, it does more harm than it does the good. Vaccine help elderly, no doubt. Vaccine for children, by that time already, there was more than enough information Let's that vaccines do more harm than the Covid does. So it was a legitimate, a very legitimate concern from parents. And now myself, I am a parent of four children. Also, I came from Ukraine and I live in Soviet Union. So all my childhood, we were reading newspapers and seeing TV, which was nothing but the truth. And I
1: could never... Mr. Gorgnici, I'm just gonna gonna jump in and and remind folks that the purpose of this session today is to speak about the City of Ottawa's response to the convoy protest, not about uh, vaccine mandates, masks, federal government, uh, and and anything else. So please, you could limit your remarks to the City of Ottawa's response to the convoy. Thank you. Yeah,
12: uh, so thanks for reminding me of that. So, I wanted to give credits first to Mayor Jim Watson, because in the early days of the uh, blockade, he did send requests to Prime Minister to assign a mediator to a protester. And as the previous speaker said, this protest would have been resolved easily if there was any effort to discuss or at least to listen to them. But because, in fact, there was no ever effort from the government even to listen to their legitimate concerns. And again, they had very legitimate concerns based on the even official data. I would like to just to everyone to go themselves to the Public Health Agency of Canada and see, for example, that they no longer report death statistic by vaccination. Mm. So there is no evidence reported about that. So they do have legitimate concerns. Now, Jim Watson, in the beginning, they offered opportunity or, or proposed Um, to talk to those. But if no one is talking to them, what they can do? They have legitimate concerns, and we're likely to live in Ottawa, and they're coming from different places. But again, there were many people from Ottawa as well. The protests like that will be happening because we live in the capital. We need to prepare ourselves as citizens of the capital to deal with these protests and future protests in a compassionate manner. Not to just to become angry, but really to send me mediators to make sure we can talk to those people, and they could be easily easily resolved. And myself, we had great time there. We were with the family, with friends. Uh, again, everyone had different experiences as uh, before and after the protests, But again, it's very important to make sure we send a mediator and we give opportunity for them to be heard that's why they came here not to label them with all bad names but really to make seconds. that's it so thank you very much wonderful thank you sir
0: uh, i thought uh, it was interesting uh, as soon as he started talking and i heard he had an accent i said i bet he's a supporter it's incredible how many how many new canadians how many immigrants that were behind us and and this i mean it's what makes we this whole narrative about white supremacy uh, so ridiculous the session, number of people of all sorts of different of backgrounds auditor, I want to thank each and uh the people who who came to this country and 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 know what they left behind and why and they, they came here for the freedoms so that we enjoy that so many um uh, people of all different backgrounds that supported the, the convoy or
1: by participating in writing to the oag at protest audit at ottawa.ca until July 31st. Thank you, Merci Bon and Madam Auditor General, back to you for concluding remarks.
5: Thank you very much, Chris. I'd just like to once again, take a moment to thank all participants that have shared their experiences with us over these past two days. Uh, As Chris just mentioned, for those of you that were unable to participate with us during these two sessions, you can either complete our survey at Engage Ottawa, you can provide a written submission, but also note, uh, if for some reason you do not have access to internet, that submission can be mailed to us at the Office of the Auditor General here at City Hall at 110 Loray Avenue West. Thank you once again. So
0: Yeah, you can uh, also participate in this public consultation by way of online survey. I'll post the link in the chat here again. And um, okay, so that's boom, just like that. They're done. So yeah, that was day two of the Ottawa um, public consultation on the Freedom Convoy. Encouraging in some aspects to see that um, they did have people of of different perspectives speaking i'm glad that they didn't you know vet the people's opinion before allowing them to speak we saw a, a blend of people speaking up for it and people who were critical of it uh, again i apologize if i come across as like I, I really don't want to hate on these people it uh the instinct to just laugh it, it's so disturbing to see The lies that they believed and the fear that people live in it's truly shocking you know growing up in a rural area uh you know going and hanging out at the farms and playing barn tag and uh literally throwing uh cow manure around as kids it's just a a different life and uh not living in fear constantly of everything was going to get you and every truck lurking around was going to kidnap you and it's it's sad, this, um, yeah, the anxiety that these people must live with. It, it's absolutely, it's no wonder that we have this massive, um, you know, not a condemnation of anyone who uses medications for various reasons. I've used medications in the past, but of of the diagnosis of so much anti-anxiety medications and antidepressants that are out there, like what a fearful society we've created. And that's what I find shocking to, to hear those testimonies from people um, who didn't even, weren't even able to go out and see it for themselves because they were so afraid of what it was like. And I heard from one of them yesterday who he went on for five minutes about how terrifying it was. And then one of the people asked him if if um, if they if he could give examples of things that he saw. And he said, uh, well, actually, I didn't see it, but I heard. And I saw videos, he said. And, and that's a pattern I saw a lot of through this was that the people who were the most terrified were the ones who actually weren't really down there at all and didn't see anything. So it's a shame that they didn't kind of get out there and see for themselves. And again, thank you to, to those who were willing to say what really happened and fear some potential repercussions from your, your community. And, uh, you know, there may be those who, who dislike you for that, but, uh, Based on what I saw in Ottawa, there are a lot more Ottawa residents who support us than anyone wants to admit, and certainly that the media wants to admit. Whenever I go to events, there's so many people come up, and it's it's become an Ottawa resident thing to start off by saying, I'm an Ottawa resident, uh, and they always introduce themselves as a resident of Ottawa, so you know that they're there and they support you. We wouldn't get the turnouts for these marches for James top for rolling thunder. We wouldn't get that level of turnout if it wasn't for a big support from the city itself and the outlying areas. So many supporters of this and going way back to the convoy, meeting lots of locals when we were down there. So, um, but yeah, I don't want to write off entirely the, these they're completely unjustified fears, but they're, they genuinely have fears. These people that they experienced during the convoy, and uh, it's sad, and some of it is valid. I understand the honking, and there were real inconveniences that occurred. And, and I've talked about that before. I don't want to pretend like we didn't inconvenience people. A good protest is going to be inconvenient. That's kind of the point to to be a little disruptive. And so I, I acknowledge the disruptions that occur. Criminal activity did not occur. This constant labeling of illegal that keeps getting repeated in the media, that it's just not true. It was, there was nothing illegal about it. Some bylaws uh, perhaps were were broken. Um, and sure, you can uh, get some, hand out some tickets if you want. Um, but crimes were not committed. Crime dropped. We know that's just a fact that crime in this city dropped Well, the convoy was there. Um, but anyway, you know all these things. I don't need to convince you. And thankfully more and more documentaries and books and such are coming out. Uh, I recommend again, Andrew Lawton's book, the Freedom Convoy three weeks that rocked the world is uh, I highly recommend. I I finished reading it there last week and uh, really enjoyed that. It's a nice overview of how everything went from, uh, from an inside perspective. Andrew spent a lot of time with myself and others when we were down in Ottawa and really saw how things were really going on. So um, great to see further evidence coming out on what's really going on uh, with all that and uh, looking forward to more documentaries coming out and, more of the truth being exposed and more books being written about what was an incredible experience so again i mentioned at the start of that stream tomorrow i'm actually going to have a guest on from netherlands and i'm looking forward to uh talking to her i'll get some more details of that out soon and she's going to tell us a little bit more about what's happening over there let's just do a quick rundown of some stuff that um I haven't been on here in a bit, so catch you up on a few things that uh, I've been posting on some of the other socials the last couple days. Uh, So in case you didn't notice this already, uh, the event with James Top for this Friday has been cancelled. Unfortunately, there um, there was a lot of publicity around this event. It had gotten a lot of shares, and I guess the property owner was concerned about some negative pushback and uh, he ended up cancelling the event and then organizers decided to just take the opportunity to head out east. So James Topp's new plan, I've spoken about already, is to head out to the east coast. If you didn't know that already, he's actually going to start in Newfoundland and work his way back towards Ontario. And so they decided to just take the opportunity and head out east to get started for their market in london has been cancelled and he's going to head out to get it or get early set up in newfoundland march uh west from newfoundland and i will continue to cover that as well tilbury is on for this weekend though if you guys are i will be going down to visit that so i'd love to meet some of you guys there uh the shed truck and boom truck and other folks will be there it should be a great turnout it's it, the uh the boonies drive-in theater in tilbury Hey, well, I'm mentioning that. Go ahead and give them uh, some five stars on Google Maps. I guess they had a few people swarm them with negative reviews, even though they've never backing them for supporting freedom. So be sure to give the Boonies Drive-In Theater uh, a five star review if you're headed there, or wait till after the weekend, by all means, and uh, and see what they're like. But I hear they're really lovely folk over there, so you can go ahead and, and check them out. So it's Tilbury this weekend, from Friday to Sunday. There's free camping. And uh, lots of fun stuff. Actually, do I have the uh, poster? Um, yeah, there it is. There's the Breeze Drive-In Theater, a Freedom Family Fun. Grounds will be open Friday, July 15th, at 12 noon, through to Sunday, at July 17th, at 2 p.m. Camping, movies, games, and much more. And uh, yeah, there's looks. So what do they got? Jousting bouncy castles, arcade games, pool table, live music, movies on the big screen, fireworks. They're really going all out. So if you are in Southern Ontario or if you're in Northern Ontario and want to make the drive, head on down. There is a convoy coming from Ottawa. I've seen posted. And so there's a few convoys from different convoy groups organizing to head together to that event. So it should be a great summer family event and um yeah it is important to remember to just um yeah it it can be difficult at times because there's so much going on at a government level and and i need to remember that as well um to just take time to breathe as well too and so this will be a great weekend for people to just unwind and enjoy themselves um yeah we need to keep standing up we need to keep pushing back but um you also need to to ensure that you and your family are able to relax and enjoy the summer as well and enjoy the freedoms while we still have them because uh definitely concerned about the fall and what that's all going to look like when flu season comes around uh definitely the time there there will come a time where we'll all have to uh, stand together very strongly once again and so uh maybe enjoy the sunshine while it lasts here figuratively and literally so come on out to uh the boonies drive-in and uh yeah this (laughs) there's a lot of funny coverage on justin trudeau at the stampede you might have seen uh this was the the first ridiculous one i saw so ctv put out this photo from 2018 so the headline is star power federal politicians use calgary stampede to last to support from voters and this is a an article from july 9th but uh the photo they chose was one from him from 2018 where he's right down so i thought that was interesting why they decided to do that and then it got even more uh interesting with the um stampede i mean here's more photos he did a photo op in the empty arena so justin trudeau had a very creative way to uh his team is getting really good at this uh, fake news thing so yes they went to calgary and they made some appearances at the stampede but they were very strategic while they did it they when they went into the arenas here they certainly didn't do it when anyone was present they couldn't be around any large crowds because any large crowds he would get booed to kingdom come, but uh, they strategically went to some smaller locations. So there was reports about him going to the pancake breakfast. And let me just find that. Yeah. So this is, these were all over the news here. Trudeau mobbed by admirers at stampede pancake breakfast, prime minister mobbed by admirers stampede Pan- pancake breakfast. So, Canadian press out and then it was passed around by all sorts of Canadian news outlets about how he was mobbed by admirers at the stampede pancake breakfast. But, um, what really went on and more information is coming out on that now is that he hosted his own little pancake. It wasn't some kind of uh, official stampede pancake breakfast. He hosted his own little pancake breakfast at a mall parking lot, like five miles from the main uh, location of the, uh, of the stampede so a vetted group uh, a not well advertised event so it was quite strategic about who the couple hundred people who showed up at that mall parking lot were he certainly didn't uh, just go walking into the throngs there is reports that he made he did appear for a little bit on the grounds but again very strategic about where he popped his head up because uh, if he sticks around too long then uh we'll get lots of viral clips of the world booing him and he can't have that of course and uh yeah continued pressures going on in amsterdam and uh around holland and uh, again i'm going to bring you an interview tomorrow with uh, someone from netherlands so looking forward to that this is a really interesting uh, piece of it out i'd seen this getting passed around and then i fact check it because I was like that's crazy like is that for real and then I, I went right to the Ontario website verified that yes this is the case so um, Ontario is no longer reporting vaccination uh, case statuses by vaccination or hospitalizations by vaccination as of June 23rd and very interesting just as uh, you know the numbers are increasingly going in our favor as the UNVAX that it seems more and more that actually people who've basically, if you've gone this long uh then you're you're probably fine. And uh so they're they're not putting out those numbers anymore. They're not gonna tell us what the case counts or the hospitalizations are in relation to somebody's status. Um they were all about that for the first, you know. That was that's all we saw for a while was oh, look, look how much safer you are, look how much safer you are. And then just in a little side note here, by the way, uh, we're not going to tell you anymore uh, what the difference is between the two. So I'm um, not reporting on that anymore. Um, so you know what's up with that. <laughs> they don't want you to. Oh, I like this. This was a tweet getting sent around. Would you abide by any new COVID restrictions? Retweet for larger sample. <laughs> yes, 4.3%. No, 95.7% with almost 30,000 votes. And uh, this is important to remember, guys, because they are coming back. The fall is going to come. Flu season is going to come. They're going to start going on and on about the numbers. You know it's coming, and they're going to numbers this, numbers that, and then they're going to start to try to do this. And how this this time around, you just say no. You're not going to put the masks on in the restaurants. You're not going to start showing Vax ID's you are going to say no to any of these new restrictions we are not going down that path again Um, and i'd like to see them try this fall but uh, (laughs) they will try uh, but we are going to all stand together uh, 95.7 percent of us and uh, we are not going to comply with these new restrictions if and when they come in this fall and um yeah here's a here's a clip of uh his supposed mob so people were able to line up these images with the the mall parking lot so they could see what neighborhood this was in so this is his uh what is really going on you know there were those images that showed uh the mob by admirers in one little parking lot <laughs> i mean as uh some of the freedom people pointed out uh James Top gets a better turnout than the prime minister um, I mean uh, I think I think most uh, most of our uh, even little local rallies I mean I've seen small towns put on uh, little freedom rallies bigger than this so this is what really was going on for all those headlines about mob by admirers blah 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 it's one little rally look he's surrounded by all his henchmen here in cowboy hats uh, with controlled access. This was not a publicly like promoted event of uh, of where and it's not at the main fairgrounds at all. So and this is what it's really scary, uh, our media, right? Like, I don't know what more we need to do to prove to people that our media is just a bunch of lies that. That our prime minister has a has a scripted little theatrics where he shows up at a parking lot to flip some pancakes and then pieces that you know he was I saw a, he reports he was out of Ottawa in like six hours or something like that or sorry out of Calgary in like six hours he flew in made a couple little of these appearances look at look at his goons and then came flying out of there again as just enough to get a few photo ops with um, a few uh, selected crowds and then he was out of there. And that should be the story that this guy doesn't even really take part in this major event and that he doesn't um, actually uh, go to the main event at all. He simply goes to some pre-selected locations, but instead the media ran with mobbed by admirers like it's comical. It's uh, it's disturbing to see. I mean, Mobbed by admirers, I guess. I mean, this would be like like C level celebrity mobbing that is going on here, um, and it's just the corruption of our media is truly dark and truly scary in this nation. And we see that well today with watching that um, consultation of these lies that have been perpetuated by the media, that told by our government, perpetuated by our media, and believed by gullible people and this is what's going on it's it's scary when when we lose our media um, media and proper journalism is a part of what keeps our governments accountable and when now that we've lost these major outlets and they not o- not only do they not tell the truth they just manipulate the truth and they lie and they're paid off by our government it becomes very hard for the real truth of what's going on to get out there which for something like whatever whether he was m- you know the true story of what he did in calgary is kind of is relatively minor but the bigger point of having a media that we can't trust like honestly especially ever since ottawa i just like i can't believe anything unless i see it with my own eyes or a trusted journalist from a a different outlet publicizes it because it's just so hard to know what's really going on. and and that's a scary place to be for how much information we have, for how much data we have and access to information that we can't, because of these manipulative media outlets, we can't really know what's going on. and uh, and that's that's a, a bad place to be in, but that's what we're dealing with. Uh here's a journalist that I trust. Uh the Kean back Bextie is uh he's in Netherlands right now. If you don't already follow him, you can go look him up there. The real Kean. Uh this is a picture that he took. Typical views on an overpass. Those flags are being flown upside down, just like we were seeing in Ottawa. And you can check out DutchUprising.com, uh, where he's reporting on that with his uh organization counter signal and uh, just a beautiful picture there. Uh brings back lots of memories and uh yeah we've the hollander uh residents are out in strength and waving their flags uh, many of which upside down a signal of distress and it's just great to see that that pattern uh continuing uh across uh across the world and especially right now in holland uh and i hear actually that there may be uh, i'm hearing rumors of some um convoys in support of uh the the Dutch farmers potentially starting tomorrow, even that uh, people getting out and waving flags. So uh, if you'd like to add a a Holland flag, the Netherlands flag there to your vehicle, uh, that's they can be hard to find. But if you hunt around, I guess you can find them. So it'd be great to see people out uh, supporting the farmers there in uh, in Netherlands as well. As we continue to fight for our freedom, we stand for the freedom of those around the world. And these farmers are, well, I, I'm not going to get into it a lot right now because uh, we're going to talk about that tomorrow with my guest, but um, yeah, you uh, there's a, a lot going on there and actually talking to my guest on the phone there yesterday and just hearing more of the details of a lot of the the pressures that have been building just like in Canada that we don't hear about over here, And uh, but hitting ahead here with uh, the pressure to take away farmland from farmers. Uh, very concerning, and uh, I just I they're still working away there. At uh, I don't have any updates here yet on uh, Pat's trial. It's still going on right now, uh, or Pat's bail review is currently happening. But uh, based on the best information I have, it's not expected that he'll get out today, but um, I will let you know if that changes. But the bail review is going on right now, uh, but he had asked for not to do live coverage on that. So we're respecting his wishes and not doing live coverage on that, keeping the uh, the pressure off there a bit and he'd like to get out and then he can share his voice. And uh, yeah, this, oh, I needed to point out this, um this phone number is wrong. It was uh, the wrong poster. <laughs> I've got the new one now, just now during the stream was sent to me that uh, they put six o five on the poster. It's supposed to be nine o five, but this Friday, July fifteenth, is the uh, the hearing for uh, another great freedom fi- fighter, Aaron Howard. As she spoke well in uniform, uh, similar to what James Top is dealing with as a soldier, she's dealing with as a police officer, and very very early on, someone who took a, a stand for freedom, and she's facing uh, charges for. Her action, so her hearing is Friday, this Friday at 8.30 a.m. at the Durham Police Headquarters, 605 Roslyn Road, uh, East Whitby. So if you can make it to that, if you're in the GTA or can make it to that, maybe on your way to Tilbury, if you're coming down from the GTA, you can start off by going 8.30 a.m. to the Durham Police Headquarters where there's going to be a support rally for the hearing of Aaron Howard. And uh currently this is supposed to be a public link, but police on guard are telling me that they are not have not been able to get the Zoom link yet. And so they are been told that you need to c- contact this phone number, but just again to clarify it's 905, not 605, 905-579-1520, extension 4346-4480, and encouraging to call for to get the publicly what is supposed to be a publicly available link to this public hearing and so they have not been able to get that link yet but it's supposed to be publicly available so encourage you to call and uh, you can ask for that public link for the public hearing as it is supposed to be available to those but they are making it difficult to get it um yeah this is what they do you know there's the there's the, the the law and then there's all their workarounds to try to avoid following the law. So I guess they're making it difficult to get the link in order to uh, actually follow what's happening. They don't want you to know what's happening. But I encourage you guys, if you're able to, show up in person this Friday, July 15th, 8.30 a.m. at the Durham Police Headquarters and stand together for Aaron Howard. And yeah, excited too. Many of you will have seen by now. That uh, Tamara's lawyer, one of Tamara's lawyers, has set up a give, send, go for her and her family. And I would love to see this just go viral. <laughs> Let's show support. I mean, there's nothing greater than uh, a fundraiser that not only raises funds for a wonderful person and also is uh, is uh, sticking to the government. <laughs> At the same time, they have worked so hard to tear this woman apart. And I'd love to see people rally to to build her up. Let's actually check in live here. How the (laughs) let's go. Uh, So this fundraiser, which has started. uh, Oh, it was just last night when the link went live. And uh, let's pull it up here for you guys. Uh, We have already hit uh, over seventeen thousand dollars in. Well, yeah, like 16 hours or something like that. so great to see, um, thank you for those who are donating. So yeah, we're sitting at over $17,000 already to support to Tamara to Leach. Um, her lawyer is gonna be uh, managing these funds until uh, she gets out. So um, Keith Wilson is uh, running that fundraiser. So that is the official fundraiser. It says created by Canadian friends. But it's, uh, it's Keith Wilson who manages that. And um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's absolutely no reason why they have any reason that they should be able to take this away. Um, I have people messaging with concerns about using Gives and Go. For the record, Gives and Go worked so hard and went to bat so much for the convoy. It was uh, the federal government that that stepped in and, and blocked those funds from being uh, given to the convoy, but uh, they'd be hard pressed to block the funds that are being privately (laughs) donated for an individual to support her and her family well in jail. It's not for any kind of activism work at all. It's simply to support her. So let's support her and let's support her big. So thank you to those who already have uh, given. And uh, yeah, it's growing quite rapidly. So yeah, 17,000 in less than a day that's a good start uh love to see it so thank you to those who uh who's who've donated and encourage you guys even a few bucks there's so many people who support even a buck or two uh for the hundreds of thousands who've uh supporter then um then then it adds up pretty darn quick and uh, anything else i want to cover here for you guys um yeah, I think that's the, the bulk of that. And um, yeah, Roberts says, no, Aaron is not it. no, she's not in jail. Um, but this is a hearing for, for the discipline that will occur for um, what, uh, for her speaking out. And uh, yeah, so he, good to just bring you guys up to date again. Sorry, I took a couple days off there from streaming honestly was feeling really just like physically and mentally exhausted and just kind of like took a bit of a breather uh got together with some friends went and saw the new uh thor uh love and thunder which i was actually super impressed with um i uh i yeah i'd say i can i can recommend it for sure and the um and then the new hey this is a new direction for uh, live from the shed we'll do some movie reviews um top gun phenomenal the new top gun wonderful film demonstrates how if you don't go woke you won't go broke uh it's a it's a great movie just raw, raw american uh great examples of like just good friendships i uh, love to see the like just the the male bonding and, and this like closeness of the soldiers uh, of the pilots in their journey together. And, uh, and there was a female pilot too, but she, and she was a strong female character. Didn't have to like be over-dramatized just a, just a solid female soldier as part of that team. And so in so many ways, I found it to be a fantastic uh movie. So, and uh the romance was great too, a great relationship um there. And even, um, yeah the aspects of family that were that were brought in and and the the real the realisms of that anyway so many good things to say about it if you haven't had a chance to if you if you like your summer movies go check out top gun and uh thor love and thunder i was pleasantly surprised with it too so um anyway so i i took a few days off saw a couple movies hang out with some friends took a breather But uh, I'm gonna keep uh, keep going here. We got more uh, interviews coming up, and uh, then I'm gonna be going to Tilbury and uh, filming some of the stuff that's going on. Uh, People are asking, "Will you, uh, Lily and Dave, will you get an update on Pat King?" Yes, I'll be getting an update when the uh, when the hearing finishes. So, uh, whatever the turnout is of the bail hearing, I'll post to uh, to Facebook, Instagram. YouTube community and Twitter um, when I get the results of that. Again, it's not expected that he will get out today, but that would be awesome. And uh, I will, uh, when I get an update as to how that ends, I will let you know, let me just check with my contact here and see if anything's changed here yet. Um, There's a friend of mine in the But if they're still in the courthouse, they're not going to be able to use their phone. So I might not hear until they're out of the courthouse. And then Tamara has another hearing tomorrow as well. And uh, so that is, yeah, tomorrow, Thursday is her next hearing. And uh, hopefully get you some coverage of that as well tomorrow. And I believe it is at... uh, I don't have it written down here at the moment, but I believe it was at 1.30. Maybe someone can correct me on that. But uh, Tamara has a hearing tomorrow. Uh, Pat King is in his hearing right now as well. And um, yeah, I'm still waiting to see if I get any information there. I'm not uh, getting any updates right now. Cindy says, excited to finally meet you in Tilbury this weekend. Uh, yeah, it should be. It should be fun. And uh, Peter says 1.30 is correct. Yeah, I thought that was the case. 1.30 tomorrow is uh, the hearing. And uh, no, I, uh, yeah, hers is uh, hers is definitely tomorrow. Yeah, uh, tomorrow 1.30. And so I'll try to bring you some coverage of that if I can. And uh, my last update on Pat King's hearing was they were going pretty hard on him. As you would expect, but uh, we'll let you know when that is uh, all finished and what comes of it. Yeah, the um, it's as I understand it, uh, tomorrow is we're, we're gonna it'll be starting to get in for for what is Tamara's about. She's gonna be in front of an actual judge, I believe, from my best information tomorrow is more procedural for tamara it's we're starting to move into actually like trial phase so there's going to be getting closer to i don't know when the actual trial begins but i believe tomorrow is more of a procedural thing as we start to get closer to the trial um but uh as you know i'm no uh, i'm no lawyer uh, criminal expert but that's the best information i have from um the uh the conduct who was communicating with the with her lawyer about what's going on. I believe it's a procedural thing as we move toward her trial is my understanding. And But I'll bring you more updates when I can. Yeah, I hope she has a different judge. That one was crooked, says Lillian. Uh, yeah, it was adjusted to the piece at the last one. And I did a little searching around on him. There is, you know, just like we know now that the prosecutor donated or $17,000 to the Liberal Party. Uh, I ran... The Justice of the Peace's name, too. And there is a name for someone who matches his name in Montreal, who's given substantial amounts of money to the Liberal Party. So I can't at this point prove that that is the same guy. But uh, I put it out to some other journalist friends of mine who are looking into it as well. Uh, wouldn't shock me if he's a Liberal supporter as well. And uh, Shell Bill says, we're in Durham. It's at the Durham Police Headquarters. Uh, Durham Police Headquarters at 605 Roslyn Road East Whitby is uh, is where the hearing will be tomorrow for um, Aaron Howard. And I'll put the poster out again here as well. And, yeah, i mean just looking at the chat here. Got lots of... Uh, diagalon slashes oh you guys you're gonna get me in trouble <laughs> oh it, the, it's an endless source of comedy this whole debacle with diagalon um you could write a you could write a a, a book about it and the ongoing battles um so they i saw there was that picture of uh, out at the uh, camp eagle and totally definitely would have just been for jokes that like one of the kids was holding up a diagonal flag and then the anti-hate network picked it up and like freaked out about that. Oh, look, these kids there. And then s- someone was tw- tweeting me. Is that what you say? I guess was tweeting at me this photo. I'm like, do you still support these people? I'm like, Oh my goodness. The, the lack of like understanding for what this all is, like some families <laughs> Uh, and veterans hanging out and uh, camping uh, in a field, and uh, that's enough to freak them all out. Oh, 721 Crazy Canuck, I'm in Diaglon Oh, watch out. Anti Hate Network will be knocking at your door. Watch out. They're coming for you. Um, uh, what's the three slashes all about? Oh, that's, I don't think there's a rule about how many slashes to use. They just, that's the symbol for Diaglon They just do slashes and. It's the troll that keeps on giving uh, as the the media keeps uh, making a big case out of it, but um, in a, or we'll do some q and a here. Why not? Uh, I haven't been on in a while. In a, is it bad to support donate to political parties? Uh, not in my opinion, no, not at all. They they oh, you're referring to the the um the liberal yeah no i'm not i'm in no way saying it's bad to support port and uh i mean i'm not condemning them for for supporting the liberal party it's it's just pointing towards what could be signs of uh, bias or, or corruption that we seem to keep increasingly seeing these liberal supporters pop up in important roles when it comes to con- convicting and dealing with convoy supporters um It's a little concerning that, uh, when people have those close and it's, it wasn't just like supporting the liberals. It was like the prosecutor has been to private fundraising events, $1,500 plate dinners with Justin Trudeau. And it's just a little, uh, suspicious is, is what it is. Uh, and a little concerning conflict of interest. Yeah. And so, no, by all means, uh, I mean, I've given to uh, political parties before and will continue to. And, um, Politics is um, to some degree what got us into this mess, but it's also what can get us out of this. I'm certainly not an anarchist by any stretch of the imagination. I believe in good governance and the rule of law, and we need to work to change that. Speaking of that, I've got my my leadership ballot has uh, just showed up for voting in the Canadian uh, Conservative Party leadership one. So if you guys are a member of the Conservative Party, make sure that you've got those ballots that um you've received those if you haven't they have started to be mailed out so if you haven't got it yet you should have it and you can vote in that and um yeah i as i've said before my recommendations for the leadership are uh are leslie lewis and uh, roman baber and pierre paul as all ones i've seen that are taking stands for freedom and you guys can decide how you want to arrange those names, but those are all people I would feel comfortable with supporting for uh, for leadership of the party and hopeful that we can have a, a strong opposition in uh, government when, uh, when that new leader is elected. And so we, yeah, dis- <clears throat> disappointed it's a mail-in, says Lynn. I know, I really don't like these mail-in ballots. I don't like sticking them in the mailbox and never knowing what happens. I don't like it at all. I think we should. uh, I think that should be banned. I think if you can't get your butt out to to vote in person at a machine, uh, at at a station rather, not in a machine, at a polling station, if you can't go fill it out, put it in the box, because then we have. Then I know that my vote went in the box, which is opened by a counter and is counted, and and uh, people can go and actually watch that count happen. No, I this mailing thing is is horrible. It's so just rife with possibility for manipulation and errors and mistakes and losses so not a fan of the mail-in ballot um if you're going to invest money in something let's invest in uh, as as safe and secure uh, votes as we can so um yeah i'm not not a fan for how the the mail-in voting works at all but that is what we have so yeah the uh, that's going on right now people can cast their ballot for the new leader Um, again i mentioned before definitely concerns coming into the fall but uh encourage you guys to yeah keep holding the line keep fighting the the good fight uh, but then also enjoy it yourselves and it's something you know I, I need to remember too and uh to to just get out and enjoy the summer and uh we've yeah el says viva moved to florida i know that that sounds tempting but uh i i love this country and uh, no intention on going anywhere and uh, i believe my my place is here and i want to keep bringing you coverage uh yeah especially as who knows what starts to happen as we move into fall and there's uh, concerns about these uh increasing mandates and governments stepping up and moving in again and trying to lock us down and uh, we will be here to stand against that and to help bring you the truth of what's really going on uh when the time comes to continue to stand against that because yeah, I wish it wasn't the case, but uh, I, I don't think the time of mandates and and masks and whatnot are over. I fear that they're only suspended, and so, like I said, enjoy your summers. Get out to uh, do your camping and get out to the cottages and uh, be sure to just uh, live life. We we don't want to live in fear. Whatever whatever happens with with all this and whatever the fall looks like, continue to you know live life to the fullest and, and enjoy yourselves. You know, watching that. Uh, that consultation today and just seeing the fear that some people live in it and the anxiety is sad and uh, I feel bad for those people and I don't want to be like that so you know what's going to happen is going to happen and we're going to continue to be ready for it and uh, stand up against it but uh, continue to enjoy your summer summer is short here in Canada and uh, be sure to get out and enjoy spend time with friends and family get up to the north country or uh, wherever you like to go for the summertime. I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm gonna wrap it up there. Uh, Thanks, guys, for tuning in today. I think I covered everything I want to cover. I was hoping to make it here to the end of Pat's uh, trial, but uh, don't have an update for you there yet. And uh, but I will, uh, I will put one out when I hear what happens. And um, yeah, again, it's not expected that he'll be released today. But uh, I'll, I'll let you guys know. And I'll try to bring you coverage of Tamara's hearing tomorrow if I can. And uh, also have an interesting guest for you tomorrow as well from the Netherlands who will be updating us on things that are going on over there. Uh, the plan is for that guest. So you guys know is for, and, uh, do, 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 for 3 o'clock um, Yeah, 3 o'clock our time, which is 9 o'clock in the Netherlands. That is what we are shooting for uh, with that guest. Uh, She's been quite involved in the opposition to mandates and other things over there. And uh, I'm going to let her speak more for herself. But uh, that plan is for tomorrow at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, uh, 9 o'clock in uh, Netherlands time. And uh, we're going to hear a bit more about what's going on over there. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, if you can't tune in live, of course, it'll be available after the fact. So, okay, uh, leave it at that. Thanks. Uh, great to see you guys all again. Uh, yeah, thank you guys, uh, Sandra. There. Thanks, Dave, for everything you do. Dan, uh, thank you for your continued hard work. Uh, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, if 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 my posts are a little less frequent through the summer here, you'll uh, you'll understand. Um, hoping to get up to a few cottages and uh yeah visit some some folks and stuff too but i will try to bring you some more interviews and um and cover as much as i can but um maybe a little slower here for a bit uh but of course if uh if if, if major changes come i will be there and make sure to get it covered um but uh maybe uh maybe a lull here for uh, a little bit but uh who knows every every week's different i've said that before that i'm expecting a lull and then things go crazy so uh but uh, let's all enjoy the summer as much as we can and yes i will see you in tilbury uh, i am going to be there and lots of other familiar faces should be lots of fun in tilbury and a great networking opportunity sometimes people wonder why we do these like camping things and um the networking is important and just the fellowship and having fun is important but then also connecting. And when the time comes that we we need to gather and um, protest uh, again, then uh, we will be ready to go. And it's important to stay in communication uh, with each other and be uh, uh, ready to go when a peaceful legal protest is is needed uh, again. And uh, it it will no doubt be needed uh, again. Um, So... We, um, yeah, we continue to gather together to um, stay connected. And so the Tilbury is by is certainly not a protest, to be clear, um, but it, it keeps people connected and uh, allows those networks to be built. And if you guys aren't already plugged into like a local freedom group, Tilbury is a great way to, to do that. So come on out to the Boonies Drive-In this weekend and ask around. And there's lots of local groups there from different cities around Ontario. And uh, if you're not already plugged in with a convoy group, um there's all sorts of different styles of groups groups that get together uh for meals or for uh for convoys and or different events or just communicate online with each other so if you're not already plugged in going to that Tilbury event is a great way to do that uh, or if you're just skeptical about all this and and are still convinced we're a bunch of uh evil people uh swing by and i hope uh, your impression is different or watch the live stream i'll do a live stream of the event and they're always a blast wonderful times with the freedom family so looking forward to that uh dave can you post the link for the boonies um i if you just scroll back on the youtube community page just a handful of posts back there's a poster there and uh i'll yeah maybe later this afternoon i'll drop a final one for uh, the boonies but uh, if you just scroll back a few on facebook instagram YouTube community or Twitter I have a poster up there it's just maybe four or five posts back you can take a look at that but I'll do a final reminder uh either later today or tomorrow (laughs) Max Power hey yeah shout out to Max Power there again from uh How the Prime Minister Stole Freedom uh (laughs) Dave for PM could make a good book about it uh you're very nice Max thank you (laughs) Uh, Derek Smith there How the Prime Minister Stole Freedom if you haven't got your copy yet be sure to uh to do that and um yeah we'll defeat them with laughter if we have to great book okay that's it for real uh thanks guys um yeah keep hauling and uh i'll talk to you tomorrow cheers